0: Father, thank You so much. We just come now, as we hear from Your Word, we pray that You'd speak to our hearts. Speak through Jason, great God. And we just ask uh, that we'd be moved to action, uh, not by His words, but by Your words, great God. By Your words we pray. So Holy Spirit, speak to us now and challenge us, we ask, in Jesus' mighty and precious Name, Amen, Amen. Well, it's a real privilege and honour to uh, welcome up. You can grab a seat if you want to, uh, to welcome up Jason, wherever he is. Uh, he's coming over here. And uh, Jason, uh, just to intro Jason a little bit, Jason's the senior pastor of Gateway Baptist Church. He's been pastoring there for quite a few years now. Uh, He's married with four kids, he's got four children. Uh, Now Gateway has also done quite a few church plans. And this morning we had John Sweetman, who was interim director of our movement uh, for this past year, he was preaching this morning. But he's finished up, John's finished up now because Jason, as uh, is now the director of our movement, that's the Queensland Baptist, um, really critical role. Uh, Jason's a great guy. So he's sort of, Jason's sort of like, Nathan's like my boss, you know, like he's like my big boss, but Jason's like the big, big boss. And, and then there's Jesus, of course, but Jason and Jesus are super close. Uh, and so um, with fear and trembling, I invite Jason to come and uh, preach. So good job, Jason. Give him a hand, that'd be awesome.
1: Thank you, uh, Twiggy. It is uh, great to be here. I love this church. I, uh, this morning, I've had a bridgy day, actually. I uh, preached at our Gateway City campus this morning, which meets in uh, the Bridgman building on Elizabeth Street uh, in the city. Great partnership that we have together there in the city, seeing people come to know Jesus. And it's uh, great to be here tonight. I'll just let you know a little secret. Just don't tell anyone from another service that this 6 p.m. service is my favourite service of Bridget. <laughs> uh, I just love, I love the, uh, the youthful energy and the faith that's in the room. Although as I was sitting down there uh, for, for a little while and you're kind of sitting down that front row, you're, you're looking at sort of uh, feet level of, uh, of everybody on stage and I think, oh man, I must be getting old. I, I need to sort of update my wardrobe. <laughs> Or all of the guys are wearing you kind know, of white sand shoes and the girls are wearing R. M. Williams boots. I'm thinking, how did that happen? I thought these used to be cool and manly. But it's uh, it's great to be here tonight. I just believe God is going to move in our hearts. Do you want God to move in your heart tonight? Because uh, I believe God wants to move uh, across our state and across our nation. And it actually begins when uh, His people, you know, allow His Spirit to move in their hearts. So uh, God tonight, come and pray with me. God tonight, as we open Your Word, God, would You move by Your Holy Spirit. God, fill us with faith, I pray. And God, would you give us courage to obey, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. I'll put your hand up tonight if you like mountains. Come on, gotta see some hands if you like mountains. Keep your hand up if you like climbing up mountains. Okay, a few less hands, but still, it's a bit of an effort to actually climb up the mountain. But there's something cool uh, about mountains and climbing mountains. And what is it that you do when you get to the top of a mountain? Some people in the last service said, well, you walk back down. You know, that's kind of, that's uh, that's pretty obvious. Uh, You know, you might take a rest. You might have, you know, something to eat. But I guarantee all of us who have ever climbed a mountain, we do one thing. We capture the moment. We take out our phone. We take out our camera. And we capture the moment from the top of the mountain. Why do we do that? Because it looks different. When you get to the top of a mountain, things look different than down the bottom of the mountain. And so we capture the moment. You know, there's all sorts of different types of mountains that we might climb up. Some of them might come up on the screen behind me in just a minute. There are mountains that look beautiful. We've got some beautiful mountains. There's mountains that, that look strong. You know, there's mountains that uh, look quite inviting. You know, no, that doesn't look that inviting. But yeah, I man, some mountains look inviting and there's some mountains that look imposing. There are mountains that look huge. This is Mount Everest just behind me. And, uh, it's Mount Everest uh, there on the screen, biggest mountain in our world. It's huge. And, and there's some mountains that aren't quite so huge. Once on the south side of Brisbane, we have Mount (laughs) Gravatt. It might not be big, but it's our only mountain. It's Mount Gravatt. Now, there's something that every mountain has in common, whether it's you know, huge or puny or, or beautiful or strong, inviting or imposing, there's something true about every mountain. Mountains are immovable. Mountains don't move. See, Mount Gravatt's only little, not that strong. It's not that imposing. But it doesn't matter how old you are here in this room tonight, Mount Gravatt was there when you were born and Mount Gravatt will be there when you die or when Jesus comes again. Mountains don't move. They'll always be there. They're not going anywhere. I wanna ask us tonight, what's the immovable mountain in your life? What is it that you're just looking at And you're going, that's always going to be there. It's never going to move. You know, for some of us, it might be quite personal. It might be a relationship challenge or a a problem in our family or something that's that's broken down relationally and it causes you great pain, but it's been been there for so long and it's so painful, you're just looking at it and you go, that's never going to move. It's it's never going to change. It's not going anywhere. It might be something that you're a part of, you know, out in the world. It might be a business challenge, or a workplace challenge, or a financial challenge, you know, that, that, that you're facing, and you're just going, that, that's, that, that's that's been there for so long, and it's so big, it, it's, it's never going to move, it's never going to change." That might actually be a dream that God's put in your heart. You actually, you look at people that are suffering, that are lost and broken and, and doing life tough without Jesus, facing incredible injustice in the world. And, and, and you look at those people, you look at that problem of injustice in the world and, and there's a passion in your heart, but, but you look at it and you say, the issues are too complex and my skills are too simple. Or, or you say, the, the resources needed are too big and my bank balance is too small. That's an immovable mountain. It's not going anywhere. It's never going to move. Or maybe it's something as simple but as important as there's someone you actually want sitting in the seat next to you in church on a Sunday. There's someone in your family there's a dear friend of yours. God's has to put them on your heart and you'd really love to have them sitting next to you in, in the church, in church, worshipping Jesus. But right now they've rejected Jesus and it breaks your heart. And they seem so adamant in their rejection of Jesus. That in your mind, you've kind of said, that's never gonna change. They're never going to move from here, from out there to in here. It's impossible. I don't know what the immovable mountain is for you tonight. I don't know what it is you're looking at and you're going, I really love it to change, but I just can't see it going anywhere. Whatever it is, I'm going to talk about mountains a little bit tonight from Matthew chapter 17. So if you've got a Bible, open it to Matthew chapter 17. And this passage of scripture over the last few months has been incredibly encouraging for me, but also deeply troubling. I hope that tonight as we read this scripture together, it might be incredibly encouraging for you, but it might also trouble you a little bit. It might challenge you. A little bit, let's let's read Matthew chapter seventeen, starting at verse one. It says, After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And so right in the verse, first verse, we see they've gone up a mountain, they've climbed a mountain, they're up there. Just Peter, James and John, they're normal people, just like you and me, normal young blokes, they're only young, probably the same age as many of you here in this room tonight. Ordinary people, they go up there with Jesus that have been following for some time now. And there he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. If you wish, I'll put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them and a voice from the cloud said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We see Jesus take three of his closest disciples up, a mountain and right in front of their eyes they see his body transfigured into a heavenly body they don't just see Jesus' earthly body that gets hungry and tired like their body that they've been seeing for the last couple of years, there they see his eternal body, his resurrected body, his heavenly body, the body that we will one day see on the other side of eternity, they see it have this incredible moment on top of a mountain, not only do they see the power of God and they See the glory of God But they hear the voice of God you know, God says This is my son With him I am well pleased Listen to everything he says And right beside him is Moses and Elijah In their glorified bodies heroes of their faith. In the past there have been teachers and leaders of the people of God. There have been prophets of the people of God and they've had their moment in their time where they went up a mountain and they saw the glory of God and they spoke to the people of God from the revelation that they had on top of the mountain. But right now in this time, you know, God has not sent another leader, another teacher, another prophet. He sent His very own Son. Incredible gift. This is my son. You didn't listen to Moses. You didn't listen to Elijah. Listen to my son. If there was ever a mountaintop experience, this is a mountaintop experience. Peter said, this is going good. Let's stay here. I love Peter. Because he keeps saying stupid things that I would say. You know, we, we, you, we, you can't stay mountain, being on top of a mountain is awesome. A mountaintop experience is incredible, but you can't stay on top of the mountain. At some point, you've got to come back down the mountain. You know, I had a mountaintop experience when I was uh, 19, I I just really uh, put my faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior, surrendered my life uh, to Him, and I was going out with a pretty girl named Susan. She's down in the front row, uh, down here. And she just had a mountaintop experience on a Christian camp. And she said, You need to go on this next camp when it comes up. And I didn't really want to, but I was a 19 year old boy, and she was pretty. And so, uh, and so I said, yes, I'll go. And at that point in my life, I dropped out of university and I was working as a builder's labourer. And so when I got to the camp, I was tired and uh, I'd been working all day. And at night they had this candlelit communion service in the dark. I'm sure it was a good service, but halfway through somewhere I fell asleep and I was asleep in the dark. And what I didn't hear at the end of, of the service was that for the next eight hours they were going to be silent. That you weren't allowed to talk to anybody until after breakfast was finished the next morning. And so I got up after the service, after I woke up, and I'm walking back to the dorm room with all these people, strangers that I'd never met before, and I'm trying to do the friendly thing and strike up a conversation, and no one's talking to me. They're all ignoring me. I'm thinking, I don't want to be on this camp, I'm tired, and they're all rude. What sort of camp has this woman got me into? Then the next day, it even got worse. There was 10 talks. I didn't mind the talk so much. But after each talk, you got put in a table of strangers that you didn't know. And you had a choice after the talk. But some You either had to sing a song about the talk. You had to reenact the talk in a drama. Or you had to draw a picture that described your response to the talk. And God is in heaven just laughing at me because of all the th- things in the world I cannot do. Right at the top of the list are sing, dance, and draw. And I've got to do it all day with a group of strangers. I tell you, it was lucky she was pretty. Otherwise, I was out of there. I hated it. But it was one of the most defining moments of my life. It was a mountaintop experience on a Saturday night. I discovered for the first time in my life that God loved me. And there was nothing I could ever do about it. There was nothing I could ever do to make him love me more. And there was nothing I was ever going to do that was actually going to stop him from loving me. God simply was love. I got grace for the first time in my life. It transformed me for the next 30 years. But when I was 19, it's all I knew about God. And so I started running a youth group And I had two sermons. One was from Ephesians 2 verse 8 and 9 about the grace of God. And the other one was from Matthew 20 about the grace of God. It's all I knew to share. But I got a message just on Friday on Facebook from a young guy that was in that youth group nearly 30 years ago. His name's Gavin. And at the time he was uh, messing up his life with drugs and girls and just messing up his life. He messaged me on Facebook on Friday and he said, Jason, I've been thinking about you, I've been dreaming about you, I've actually been praying about you. He says, the old Gavin is gone. He's been forgiven. Jesus is my saviour. He said to me, finally, those words you spoke to me all those years ago have sunk in and I'm saved. And I'm thinking, I didn't have too many words to share. I didn't know anything. And I think I'm here tonight to tell someone that you are not too young to see God move powerfully in you and through you to have an eternal impact in another person's life. You don't have to know it all. Whatever you know about God, whatever you've received from God, share it with someone else and it can transform a life forever. It can transform a life for its all of eternity. You see, we've gotta go up the mountain all right, can I just encourage you, one of the reasons I love this service so much is, is I love your worship, I love the faith in the room as you worship, the passion in your room as you worship. This is a mountaintop experience. Be here every week. Come in hungry for the presence of God, hungry to encounter the presence of God. Not just the weeks that you feel like it, not just the weeks that you know, your favourite people are here. Be here every week to encounter the presence of God. And can I encourage you to do the same thing on your own? This is my mountain. This is where I have my mountaintop experience every day. I got a milk crate I sit on. And I stop. And the only thing I'm allowed to take is my Bible and my journal. And I just say, God, in the midst of all the crazy things happening around me right now, I wanna know your presence. I wanna hear your voice. I just stop and let God speak to me. And I need to do it every day. I just want to encourage you in 2021, find your place. Wherever you go to encounter the presence of God, go there often. Don't get a milk crate. I, I'm actually getting in trouble for that. I've had people come up to me and say, you know you've stolen that, don't you? <laughs> that happened for a few years when I told the story. And then just uh, last year or the year before, I had a guy come up to me He's immigrated from South Africa to come and work for, it's not United Dairies, but one of those big dairy companies. And he said, my project in Australia is to come up with a strategy to reclaim stolen milk crates. (laughs) It's costing us $2.5 million a year. And you're part of the problem. So don't get a milk crate. But wherever you go to encounter the presence of God, go there often because you can't stay there. I wish I could stay there some days. Oh, I wish you could, you could stay in here some nights. But you can't stay here. You can't stay on top of the mountain. But when you get to the top of the mountain, you've got to capture the moment and live out of the revelation of God. You've got to hold on to what He said because things look different down the bottom of the mountain. You know, at the end of that camp I was on, there was another moment, the very last worship session that we were in. I was up the back I was I just about had enough. I was ready to go home as, as, as good as God had been to me. And the guy strumming the guitar at the front leading us in worship just stopped. And, and he said, young guy at the back in the blue t-shirt, and he was pointing at me. He said, I just believe God's got a word for you. God, God's actually called you to have a significant impact in the church in Australia. He's going to put you in a position of influence where you're going to see a mighty move of God in this nation. Now, you've got to remember, I'm 19 years old. I'm a university dropout and a builder's labourer. I'm looking at this guy going, you are smoking drugs. I had no idea what he was talking about. But I captured that moment. I've held on to that word for 30 years. I just gave thanks to God in this last week. I said, I believe this is the time, God. I want to see a mighty move of your spirit, not just in my own church, but in churches across this nation. You've got to go up the mountain. Go up the mountain to encounter the presence of God because you can't stay up the mountain. You've got to come down the mountain and minister to the people of God. This is what happens. Verse 9. So they're coming down the mountain. So they've gone up the mountain now, they're coming down the mountain. Jesus instructed them, don't tell anyone what you've seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. So they had to capture the moment. They weren't allowed to talk about it yet. But when they were being persecuted, when they were facing all sorts of challenges, this was important to them. We know that Jesus is alive forevermore. We've seen it with our own eyes before the crucifixion and after the crucifixion. They capture the moment. This is, this is the troubling bit. I've right, had a bit of encouragement. Now this, is, this troubles me. Verse 14, when they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. He says, Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and he's suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. Now remember Jesus, meek and mild, full of grace. Listen to his next words. You unbelieving and perverse generation. Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of that boy and he was healed at that moment. Jesus gets angry. Jesus actually doesn't get angry at that much. He gets angry when religious people, you know, put so many rules in place that they stop people coming to know God. He gets angry when, uh, when, when, when people may rip off poor people and make it hard for them to come into the temple and to worship God. And he gets angry here when his disciples lose faith in the power that he's already given them to minister to the people. He's already given them power to to heal diseases and to cast out demons. And he's taken three of them up the mountain. And while the nine of them are left down the mountain and Jesus is out of sight, they actually lose faith. And he gets angry about it. He gets frustrated with them. You know, what you get angry and frustrated about actually tells you a lot. You know, about a person, I said to my kids, What do I get angry about? And they said, You get angry about messy rooms, true. And you get angry when people diss your big dreams, or in English, they dismiss your big dreams. So I went to our staff the next day and I I said, What do I get angry about? And they said, You hate it when the church is messy. And you hate it when people say no to your big dreams. See, what you get angry and frustrated about can actually tell you a lot about a person and what's really important to them. We see in this story, Jesus gets, gets angry when they have unbelief instead of faith. You're unbelieving in perverse generation. He gets angry when this poor boy could have been healed by the power that he's given them isn't healed. sometimes when we look around at people in great need, we look around the lostness and brokenness in our world when we're down the mountain. Sometimes the things that really make us angry, the injustice that makes us angry, you know, the, the brokenness, the lostness that really gets to us. It's actually God speaking to us about how he's calling us to minister to his people. To actually turn that anger, that frustration. Others call it a holy discontent into action, into faith. But sometimes what we do is we kind of we, we look at, you know, what what's around us, we look at the sin and the suffering and the sickness down the down the bottom of the mountain. We look at it long enough that we say, you know, that's been there too long, it's never going to change, it's never going to move. You know, my mum could have said that. You know, when I was 13, I I came home from school with a uh, guitar amplifier because I I discovered at 13 that every uh, dude who played guitar ended up with a hot girlfriend, and uh, and I really wanted one. And and so I decided to play. I mean, why do you think Nick is up here cranking the guitar, you know, tonight? You know, he learned to play the guitar because he's no, that's not true, Nick. Nick's not up here doing Nick's up here because he loves Jesus. But I, as a 13-year-old boy, I was not the same. I, I wanted a hot girlfriend. And so I, I came home with this guitar amplifier and I'm trying to show it to my mum. And she just started laughing. And she wouldn't stop laughing. I'm not talking about just the giggle, giggle giggles. Like she's laughing, like snot coming out her nose. You know, tears running down her face, like bending over in, in, in agony kind of laughing. And she wouldn't stop. And it got annoying. So eventually I said, you know, you're a crazy woman. I'm leaving and I'm not coming home until you stop. Two hours later, I was starving hungry. And so I came home for dinner. But my mum still hadn't stopped. In fact, she'd been laughing for eight hours straight. And my dad thankfully was home by then and said, you know, you're probably wondering what's going on with your mum. I said, "Yes, yeah, she's crazy. I'll never forget the thing he's, words he said next. He said, I think Jesus healed your mum today. You see, up until that point in my life, my mum my suffered from clinical depression and agoraphobia. It means that her life was very, very small and very, very dark. She'd go for months at a time without leaving the house. She didn't want to be in open spaces. She didn't want to be with people. That's all I'd ever known of my mum up until I was 13. You see, there was a pastor that used to come and pray for my mum every Monday. And that Monday, I don't know why, Jesus completely healed my mum. Transformed her life. That darkness just lifted off her and she could not stop laughing for eight hours. And she's never been the same again. I tell you, Jesus has the power to heal today. My mum could have easily said, I've been like this for too long. I've been like this for 25 years. It will never, ever change. But she held on to faith in God and I'm so thankful for a pastor who believed in, in the power of prayer and continued to pray until her life was transformed by the power of Jesus. There is nothing, In any life, there is nothing in our community that's just been that way for too long that cannot move. We sung about it already tonight. There are mountains that can move by faith in Jesus, by the power of Jesus. You see, you gotta go up the mountain to encounter the presence of God so that when you're down the mountain, you can minister by faith to the people of God. I tell you, There is great need out there in the community today. People desperately need Jesus. And lastly, we've got to pray with faith to see the mountains move by the power of God. So you've got to go up the mountain every day to encounter the presence of God so you can come down the mountain and minister to the people of God. And you can pray with faith to see God move by his power. Listen to this. The disciples came to Jesus in private and they asked, why couldn't we drive it out? And he replied, because you have so little faith. This is confusing. Truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you that's a little bit confusing it says it didn't happen because your your faith is too little but if you've got small faith like a mustard seed you can say to the mountain move from here to there I think the better translation of that word little is actually poor it's because your faith is poor You see, I think there's a helpful thing in in Mark's gospel about this same story. He actually adds that Jesus also said, this type only comes out with prayer and fasting. You see, I think the disciples that actually started to turn faith into a formula if I can just say the right words, if I can just muster up enough faith and say it the right way and do it, you know, the right religious way, then, then powerful things will happen, will happen. You see, our faith is not in a set of doctrines, our, our faith is not in a set of beliefs. Our faith is in a person. His name is Jesus. He's the Alpha and the Omega, He's the beginning and the end. He died on a cross to forgive your sins once and for all, and He overcame the grave and He rose from. From the dead, and he's alive today. And it's the the person of Jesus that we have faith in to actually see mountains move. I don't know why some people get healed temporarily here on earth, and others have got to wait to the other side of eternity to be healed. I got a son with type one diabetes. We pray for him every day. He still hasn't been healed. But it can't stop us from coming to Jesus, listening to his voice and crying out for, to him to move in power, to move what looks like impossible, what is impossible from here to there. The promise that he gives us is if we've got faith as small as a mustard seed, it doesn't need to be a big amount of faith we muster up, but it's faith in him. It's faith as we get on our knees and pray. You see, you've got to pay the price for faith every day. It's not a formula. It's not something you can muster up. You pay the price for it on your milk crate, on your knees, wherever you go, as you get to know Jesus and hear His voice. That's why these prayer meetings coming up for Bridgie are so important as together you're listening to the voice of Jesus and saying, what have you got for us? What are the mountains you're moving in this next year? You gotta go up the mountain to encounter the presence of God. Come down the mountain to minister to the people of God. We gotta pray with faith to see God move mountains by the power of God. See, I think God wants to say to someone tonight, you're not too young. You're not too young to see a move of God in you and through you. It hasn't been that way for too long that it can't change, it can't move. I think I've got to encourage somebody else, it's not too late. It's not too late to actually see God move. You're not too old, hasn't been that way for too long. You haven't made too many mistakes. It's not too late. I tell you, our world needs it. You know, I had a great first week as the uh, director of the Queensland Baptist Movement, so supportive and encouraging, great community all around me, great to be here tonight and cheered on. But my son's first day at work was quite different. He's a third year apprentice carpenter. And he went back to, to work about the same time And his first day. He, he finds out that his, one of his building supervisors, a guy in his 50s, got into financial trouble and committed suicide while he was on holidays. And then a couple of days later, the fourth-year apprentice, a 20-year-old bloke that works next to him, he had nowhere else to turn, no one else to talk to, and so he talked to my son, who's only 19 years old, and said, "I just need to let you know. My dad and mum split up over the Christmas, and my dad tried to commit suicide, but he didn't succeed and he's made a complete mess of his body and his life. He had nowhere else to turn. Now these 20-year-old kids got nowhere else to turn except to alcohol and cocaine every weekend just to ride himself off and forget about it for a little while. I'm telling you, there is a hope deficit in our world. There is a hope. Hope is just draining away in the lives of people in our community. But in Jesus, our hope is eternal. It never, ever changes. You see, the message we have is so powerful, and the community that we have in the church is so powerful. As we open our arms to broken and hurting people and say, come in and find Jesus, He's got hope for you, and we would walk with them, and we would support them, and we would cry with them, and we would encourage them until they find the hope that you have found in Jesus. I tell you, we've seen moves of God, you know, in other parts of the world, and I've had the joy of seeing God move powerfully in other parts of the world over the last 10 or 20 years but I believe we need a move of God in Australia the need in Australia is huge, there is a deficit of hope out there in the community and we have the hope that the whole world needs we have the hope that Australia needs, we have a hope that Queensland needs, that your university needs and his name is Jesus and it's not too late for anybody to hear the good news about Jesus and have their lives transformed you know one of my favourite stories in ministry in the last few years is praying with a lady named Audrey in her 80s and she'd been praying for her husband Brian for 52 years she's a Christian her husband Brian not a Christian and quite angry at the church and, and at God, I was praying with her one day, she's prayed every single day for her husband for 52 years. And one day she said to me, Brian would actually like to talk to you. Could you come and talk to him? I said, of course, I'd love to come and meet Brian. And we sat down in his living room and, and we talked, he was quite angry and bitter and, and terse with me. We talked about, you know, the there suffering and evil in the world how we can know the goodness of God in the midst of difficulty. See, it turns out that that Brian actually prayed for his dad in World War II to be protected by God and to come home, and he didn't. And from 10 years of age, he's angry at God. He didn't let go of that resentment and that bitterness, and he wanted nothing to do with God. And we talked for a couple of hours, and at the end, he'd calm down a little bit, and he said, look, you've given me something to think about at least. Just a few weeks later, Audrey said, Brian's in hospital. He's quite unwell, quite elderly. He'd like to talk to you again. So I went in and visited him in hospital. And at the end, I said to Brian, can I pray for you? He said, actually, I'd like to pray. And it's out of his mouth, the tears coming down his face, he prayed the Lord's Prayer. By rote, he learnt in King James English as a 10-year-old boy and never forgotten that. And then he continued to pray. He said how sorry he was to God and he asked for Jesus to forgive his sins and to save him. And we talked about the promise of Jesus Christ who wipes away every sin. And just, I, I tell you, I knew the presence of God in that hospital room. That salvation had come into his life and into his heart. And Audrey would tell you, Those last two weeks she had with Brian after he put his faith in Jesus were the best two weeks of her whole marriage. There was a new intimacy. There was a new joy. Bitterness and resentment and anger was gone. I'm here to tell you, I'm here to tell someone tonight it's not too late for mountains to move. She prayed for 52 years with faith. And a mountain moved. God's timing's not always the timing we like. His ways aren't always the ways that we'd like. But I still believe that these verses of Scripture are true. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. I'm gonna get the worship team to, to come up tonight. You know, One of the the stories I love is the story of Caleb who was a man of faith, him and Joshua and they got sent into the promised land. They had faith in God that God could do miracles but nobody else did and so God promised him. He said, you're gonna see the promised land where others won't and I'm gonna give you that mountain. I'm gonna give you that hill country. Caleb's one of my heroes of the faith in uh, Joshua. Chapter, uh, what's it in? Chapter 14. This is what he says at the end of his life. I'm telling you, it's not too late, people. You're not too young. Hasn't been there too long. It's not too late. I don't care how many mistakes you made. I don't care how long you've been praying for. God still moves mountains as we cry out to Him in prayer and we hold on to faith in the Word of God. He's still doing the impossible today. And it's time for a mighty move of God across our nation. It's time for revival to come. It's time for God to move in the hearts of His people. Listen to what Caleb says, an 85 year old man. He says, here I am today, I'm 85 years old. I'm still as strong today as when Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now listen to these words. Now give me that mountain. Give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. 45 years he had not given up on the promise of God. He had not given up on what God said would happen. And I tell you, I'm not gonna give up on the Word of God in my life and has been spoken over this nation for many, many years that we will see revival. As the church wakes up and we get on our knees and we pray and we pray with faith, we can see a mighty move of God throughout this nation. We can see lives transformed. We can see people healed and set free. We can see whole families redeemed. We can see the young people, can see their friends come to know Jesus. I'm believing for it. Does anyone want to say an amen tonight and say I'm in? Go up the mountain, encounter the presence of God. Come down the mountain, minister to the people of God with whatever God's given you, whatever you know. And pray. Pray for mountains to move by the power of God. Hey, let's stand together. We're gonna sing a song just crying out to God for revival in our land. I'd just love to pray for a bunch of you tonight. If tonight you're just saying, there is faith in my heart for big mountains to move. There's faith in my heart that God's given me to actually see a move of God in my life, in my family. In my university, in my church, in my community, there's faith in my heart. I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna pray like Audrey. I'm gonna pray like Caleb. I'm gonna believe for mountains to move. If that's you tonight, I'd just love to, I'd love to pray for you as we finish, as as the team lead us in this song. Why don't you just come to the front. I'd love to close in prayer just by praying over you. If you've got faith for big, impossible looking mountains to move, you want to be part of it. A, a move of God in your area of influence. Come on, just, just come to the front. I'd love to pray for you in just a minute. the mountains that are going to move God right now would you bring to mind people bring to mind people people that you love people that are lost God right now by your Holy Spirit will you burn that person in our heart God burn that person burn that family in our heart God, we want to receive, we want to receive tonight your burden for the lost, your burden to see salvation come in homes, in universities, in schools. God, would would you give us a burden tonight and would you give us a promise? God, a word from you, a picture from you, of what You are going to do, how You're calling us to pray. God, that would fill us with faith tonight. God, fill us with faith by the power of Your Holy Spirit. God, would You give dreams and visions to young and old tonight. God, would You give us the faith right now. God, not to see it as just vain imagination. But God, we would take hold of Your Word tonight as we surrender ourselves to You. And we say,
2: only You,
1: God. God, would You put Your Word in our heart. And God, I pray, I pray over this church in 2021 that this would be an only God kind of year. This would be a year where they constantly say, we could not have made that happen. But we prayed." And only God could have done that. God, may that be true. May that be true right across our church. Right across your church. I pray in the mighty Name of Jesus. And everybody said...
3: thing we want to do tonight and that is that we want to pray for Jason and Susan. I'd love for you guys just to come on up on the stage here with me. We are so glad, Jason, that you responded to the call that God has given you to step into this role as the Director of our Movement of Churches. And it's a privilege for us to have you here on your first Sunday as it just so happened to work out. And we want to pray for you and Susan tonight. We want to ask God just to anoint you for what He's called you to. I'm going to ask the pastors, in fact, in the pastoral team, just to come on up and you to pray as well church, full of faith tonight. We wanna pray for the churches of our state that God will move in power. Our movement, yes, beyond that as well, not just our state, our nation. You know our heart as a church too, brother. We we are praying and believing for a, a move of the Spirit of God like we have never seen before. And uh, in fact, this morning, um, John Sweetman was here preaching, who's been the interim director of our movement um, until Jason was able to step into this role. And he actually preached on Isaiah 40. And it just lines up so well with this Word, Just, just again affirming God's heart. This is what it says. It says, In the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, and here's the mountain part, and every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. And here's the promise, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it. Together is what the promise is. For the Lord, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Don't you long for that church. Don't you long for that, to God to come and move in power like that. And this is part of the plans that he is unfolding and putting together. So we're gonna lay hands, you join with me as we pray now. Let's join in faith and pray for this couple. Lord, we wanna thank You so much for Jason. We thank You for Susan, Lord. We thank You for the calling You have placed upon their lives for such a time as this, Lord. And we know that You are moving, Lord. You are stirring things in our community, in our city, Lord. Across our state and beyond that, our nation, great God. And here we are coming into Australia Day on Tuesday. Well, Lord, our heart again just breaks, Lord, for so many in our nation who are yet to know You, great God. Lord, we are living in a hope-starved nation, a love-starved community, Lord, that needs You desperately, great God. Our heart breaks. We hear the stories of the brokenness and the hurt and the pain and people don't know where to turn. But we know, Jesus, that You are the hope, that You are the only answer i uh-huh. And so Lord, we pray for the anointing of Your Holy Spirit upon Jason and Susan, Lord. Anoint them. Lord, thank You that You're gonna give them everything they need, that You're gonna go before them, great God, that You are gonna move mountains, great God. We believe that. And we pray for all the churches of our state. We do, Lord. Every church lifting high Your Name, bless them, Lord, we pray. May Your favour be poured out upon them in this year ahead and this season ahead. We ask, we are praying for thousands of people to come into the Kingdom, great God, to churches not to be able to contain stadiums in our cities not to be able to contain, Lord, those who are coming to hear and to know the truth. This is what we're praying for, big prayers, Lord, I know. But Lord, we wanna be a people of faith, knowing that nothing is impossible with You, great God. And so, Lord, bless, Lord, pour out, come move by Your Spirit, we pray. And we ask this in the mighty and the powerful Name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Can we encourage Jason and Susan tonight? We're with you, brother, we're with you all the way, all the way. We're going to sing. We sang a new song tonight called God of the Impossible, which was awesome. So we're going to finish tonight. We're just warming up. Now, this is our last song, I promise. But we're going to sing that new song we sang that speaks that God is the God of the Impossible. So let's sing together as we conclude our time together. Thanks, Jack and team, so much for leading us tonight. And there is no
2: shadow that has ever overcome your There's no rival that could ever stand against your mind. You've always been with us. Every battle you've already won. We've already won. And there is no weapon that has ever left a mark on. And there is no army With the power to conquer truth You've always been with us, oh yeah Every battle you've already won We've already won Show me one thing you can't do Show me about it you can't do He's the God of the breakthrough and anything is possible. Yeah. Show me one thing that's too hot. Show me one as it can't pop. He's the God of the breakthrough and anything is possible. It's possible, yeah. now. Oh <laughs> Tonight, all of my fear, I will turn into praise. Shake off despair as I sing out Your name. A victory, come on, let's dance tonight. I will crush disappointment and break every. All of my fear, I will turn into praise. Shake off despair as I sing out Your name. A victory dance, I will dance out in faith. I will crush disappointment and break every chain. All of my fear I will turn into praise. Shake off despair as I sing.
0: Whatever we're doing, may You use our lives. We make ourselves available to You in Your precious and mighty Name. Amen, amen. Hey, God bless you guys so much. Thanks for watching online. Great to have you here as well. Uh, If you're new at all, we've got a welcome lounge at the back. We'd love to connect with you. Or if you've been coming for a while, you wanna connect, we'd love to connect with you. Uh, We'd love to see you up there. But God bless you. Whatever you're doing this week, may God use you powerfully. And uh, we'll see you next Sunday. Thanks heaps.